and welcome to the Free Range Buffalo. Break free from the herd. Today we're going on episode two of Speaking Buffalo. And joining me for this series is my partner, Michael Morris. Good day, Michael. Good day, Bryce. Excited to be here. Well, any day when we get to try and plumb to the depths of the of our understanding of the world around us, oh, that's an exciting day. And uh, I hope everyone uh, is also equally excited. You know, it's a, it's a rare opportunity that we all get to just stop for 20 minutes and try to think about some things that uh, we don't always talk about or think about. So I, I do value these times. Yeah, as do I. I think this is a kind of a neat series, and we're going to examine exactly um, sort of structures of language and then uh, see what that might mean for us. Yeah, that's right. So today's episode, episode two, is the Rosetta Keystone, uh, building off of uh, the very famous Rosetta Stone that was found in Egypt, where they were able to compare, I believe it was uh, Phoenician and Greek, if I'm not mistaken, along with uh, Egyptian hieroglyphics. And that was one of the ways that they were able to discover exactly the meanings of some of these different hieroglyphics. And it was a the codex, the, the, the skeleton key to understanding how, to, how the Egyptians uh, were, were viewing the world. Um, so we're going to talk about some of this. Right, and I think also the the keystone part of it is, uh, you know, in Roman architecture is the, the stone that held the bridge up, and I think that language is uh, that bridge. So the metaphor is apt in, in that regard too, because uh, language is kind of the bridge of understanding between people. Oh yeah, absolutely. And one of the one of the crazy things when when I when I think about language, of because. It, by the time you're a teenager and adult, you're just speaking and talking and you're using it as a tool. It's a tool that you've been uh, developing or developed uh, when you were young, even before you have uh, conscious memories. You're just, all of a sudden, you're just talking. This is the most natural thing. It's why it's your, uh, they, um, what's your natural language? That's what they actually ask. Uh, and it's so natural, few people give it a second thought unless you've ever tried to learn a second language. Um but one thing that kind of blows my mind when you take a look at what happens to the Mark I human is when a child is born and before they're, before you've talked to them, they start babbling. You know, it's a blah, 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 blah. I can't even replicate it. And, there, and there's a reason you can't actually replicate it is because um, of these things. They're called phonemes. And these phonemes are the, the different sounds that, diff- that make up all of human language. So there's a there's a set number of phonemes that uh, a base model human can can say and can hear and understand, um, but not ver- languages don't use all of them for various reasons. You can't be that complex. It has to be simplified. It has to be there has to be rules in place and structure. So what happens is is there the child's babbling and then the parents and their relatives they're all talking to the baby and they start picking up the sounds of what that language is and they start replicating it. And, and the crazy thing is, you know, when you take a look at, there's no better example of what maximum possibility is than a young child. Uh, it's entire existence. That's all it is, is possibility. But as you're teaching it, this child, a language, these possibilities 
become into an actuality. And this actuality eliminates, by definition, all these other possibilities. So if you're learning English, you learn all the English phonemes, but by doing so, you actually eliminate all of the other phonemes that would be for another language. So they say, well, you should teach a child a second language. Is actually a, a, a reason, well, it's easier for a child to learn the language. Yes, because as an adult, and this blows my mind, your ear actually changes its ability to hear the different phonemes in other languages. So especially in languages that are fairly far apart from each other. So if they're not in the same linguistic family, like like Western European languages, like the Romantic languages of French, Italian, Spanish. So if you're trying to learn a language that's far departed from a different family, say from Cambodian to Spanish, um, there's a reason why you'll never lose your accent in that second language because you physically cannot hear the different sounds that the, the natural born speaker is saying. And your tongue and your palate, which is developed to speak your mother tongue, it actually changes and you cannot actually physically form the sounds like a natural born speaker. You, it, it, that, because your body is adapted to your actuality. You, you've lost the pure possibility. And I think it's so amazing to, as a statement of what we all are as a base model, Mark 1 human, and as we're going forward, how we adapt to the reality that we, that, you know, and, and we, we adapt into our society, and we adapt into this, this place. We actually physically adapt into the language that we inherit. Well, I think that's an interesting point about uh, as you develop one ability, it limits your other. And within language and the ability to hear the, uh, sorry, Bryce, I'm going to mispronounce the phenoms. Uh, phonemes. phonemes. Although okay, I am so. a phenom, it's a phoneme. <laughs> phoneme. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So as you're losing the ability to <clears throat> hear these phonemes, your ability to communicate across to another person uh it becomes more restricted, obviously, right? Yes. And but I think it, it also applies not only to um, to race or, or to different languages, as it were, but uh, but also in education and levels of expertise and things like that. As you become more advanced in a, in a field per se, you're going to develop a language that's appropriate to that. And uh, I don't think I have a technical conversation with a neuroscientist because I'm not going to be able to communicate my ideas in the same language as him. And he's going to have to change his language in order to communicate the concepts at a level that which I can understand. And therefore, my understanding is limited by my ability to communicate. Well, and it's interesting. Every... Um Every field has its own, starts to get its own language. So when I was in the military, the military is famous for having its, its own language. And it even has a cadence. And the, it pushes it into you. And it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't demand that you do. You would do it because that's the language you, you speak in order to speak efficiently amongst this group of people, this, this tribe, this group that you're in. Whether you're a doctor and you're, you know, a code blue stat. I, okay, great. I've, I've seen that off of... Uh, you know, TV show, but I have no idea what that means. Um, and my wife, who is, uh, you know, Mrs. Buffalo there, she uh, she's an RN, but she won't tell me what that means. So I'm outside of that group. <laughs> but but I actually, to the point of it, it actually channels your thinking. I, can, I, I, I know this for a fact. When there's certain, you know, use in the military, for example, use a 24-hour clock, 0400. 
0419. Mm-hmm. What, what that does right there, it makes you far more precise than four-ish. Or, mm-hmm. or, well, yeah, when are you going to go on the attack? Ah, but four-ish. No, 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 no. We will be going on the attack at 0415 because there's a, there's a certain amount of precision that you want to have happen. Um, mm-hmm. Even the procedures about how you speak on the radio in the military, it actually changes your pronunciation. So the certain word uh, whiskers of how I pronounce, um, for instance, when you're on the radio, uh, you, you know, uh, you're, you're giving a, a grid, like, uh, which is just a series of numbers, uh, Ju- Romeo, Juliet, uh, four, five, three, niner. So you say the five like a fife because it, 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 it's important to be precise and there cannot be confusion. So it channels how you're thinking. So all of a sudden, when you become more precise in your language, it it, it, it changes how you, you handle yourself. It changes how, how you view problems. And it drives most of my family quite mental because I still have that kind of precision in my speech and in how I problem solve and how I, I, I move around. Thankfully, you know, like friends of yourself where I've been rehabilitated to become a lot more soft or a little more uh, civilianized where <laughs> I can speak with regular people again. Well, I think, yeah, what you said about uh, the precision is is very interesting. And I also wonder if, um, you know, having that precision is definitely beneficial to someone in the military, uh, someone in business, because you're able to clearly define the parameters. Um, Whereas if you're in a more casual conversation, you might not use that level of precision for my four ish might be appropriate. Um, And I I'm wondering if that might be somewhat based on uh, on tribalism as well. If you were to go back in the day when we would communicate, it would become very apparent if if you were outside of the tribe because you would be using different different words. So I wonder if if that extends into mm. now is you're able to quickly tell that uh, someone's not in your in your group because they lack the inability to communicate in the same language uh, as as you, and that, and I'm not saying English to English. I'm saying uh, your the the words you're using, the language you're communicating. You know that is a really cool uh, line of thinking, actually, because I uh, we know that's true. We know that's true. So language is not just a means of communication. Is I mean, if it was, we'd all have a. a the same language around the world. I mean, like I, I love the French Revolution, or, or was the League of Nations? I forget one of the two. They had this idea we'd have, oh, they were going to have one unified language. They had this artificial language. We're all going oh, the to Esperanto. Yeah, Esperanto. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, but of course, you're not because that we actually not only is it language to bring us together, it's to bring your, your your group together, to bring your people together, and then to be having some communication outside, but so you know who your people are. This is why some people hold on to their accents. I'm not one of you. Like my accent that I have is a Western Canadian accent with it. And you, that, that, that's just how I speak. How, but I tell you what, those good old boys down south, down Carolinas, where they chew on their vowels, I can't even replicate that because I speak too fast. <laughs> I will never belong to them, you know. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not using that accent to make fun of them. It's just I can't. It's so ridiculous. I can't replicate it. Just like I can't replicate someone from the from the Maritimes. As by as by Bell's boat. <laughs> 
No, so yeah, you were closer. On, you were closer on the Carolina one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just lost our maritime group. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but but the, the fact is, is it, it, it can be an exclusory or excluding um, excluding uh, act. So take for example, for, for if if you're going into an inner city, uh, and you know the gangs, they even have language barriers around and different accents when you're going down this. So they know you're not one of them. They have, they have different word choices. You know, if um, I think it, it, it's, it's, it's how you identify tribalism and it is hugely, uh, it's, it's built right into it. Yes. I want to communicate outside the group because there might be something I want to learn or take, but I don't want you part of it. You know, like this is how all the different accents developed around England. So, you know, Cockney, for, for example, you know, I mean, you, you don't tell me that's English. I can't. <laughs> you watch a Guy Ritchie movie and 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 they uh, uh, and they slip into that uh, uh, version of Cockney, whatever that is. You're, I'm, I don't know what it is. You need subtitles. That's that's true, and and those are really good flicks. I'm wondering, how, Bryce, how we might be able to use the ability to include. Uh, and use more precise language as a way to Im- improve communications throughout different groups and as a society so that we're able to uh, not only communicate our intentions better, but also not be susceptible to people that might want to use communication to mislead us. Well, I think hmm, how, how that's a big, big question. And, and, and to wrap your head around that, I think you have to take, instead of taking one giant leap forward, you have to take five back. Um, because you have to, in order to stop any kind of uh, potential manipulation, you have to go back at, at, at how, because the people who are doing the, any, any manipulating through language, like propagandists, which we're going to get to in the, one of the next episodes, um, they're masters of language and they understand how different words you know, can call up the mythic past, come and, and, and really activate, you know, some really deep-seated um, uh, emotions that you didn't even know you had, that you had into you. You know, certain, uh, certainly through language, we communicate our past and our, our histories and some things that we're not even really conscious of. So, for example, you know, like, like you take a look at the, well, you won't get, I'm trying not to jump ahead into the propaganda episode, but taking five steps back. So I, I'm, Jump around a bit, but just take a look at how, as 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 a, as a formulating thought about how our thinking actually is channeled by the language that you that you think in. Mm-hmm. Say, so I I am bilingual, or at least I pretend to be on TV. Um, the army taught me French. Um, it's passable. I wouldn't say it's. Uh, <laughs> I am not going to be confused from being Parisian, let alone Quebecois. Um, but the one thing I did learn, and it was, and my German grandfather, I learned um, some smattering of German. So this is the best example I can have to show you the differences in how it, different languages can produce different results. So counting, okay? So yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's the same in in, in English and French and German, okay? Where it starts breaking down is okay when you start getting into the teens and then higher. So uh, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, you know, okay, I'm not, not going But all, all you're doing is you're, is you're adding number and adding teen, which is just a corruption of the word 10, okay? Now, German doesn't even use the corruption. They actually just say uh, 
four, um, 14, instead of 14, it's um, 14, 410, 15, 510, uh which is uh, 610. So they actually are just using the 10. They're not even using the corruption. And then when you're when they're getting into the higher numbers, so if you're saying uh, 20, uh, 25, which is 5 and 20, it's a very mm. methodical language, like uh, 90, 90, okay? So if you want to be 95, 5 and 90. It's a very mechanical language, okay? Which you, I, you should feel like this isn't a surprise. Now here come the French. The French are, there's a lot of strengths within the French language of, of being able to describe the world around them, um, you know, with, with really... A way of really reaching deep into your soul, which is why the you know the, the some of the early philosophies in the Renaissance came out of, out of the uh, French, and especially uh, political philosophy, because they had a way of understanding the world, uh, which is you know getting some underlying truth. But their counting is really weird. So instead of um, you know, okay, uh, they're fine all the way to twenty, and then vingt uh, okay, twenty one, yeah, Roger that, they're good until they get to 70 so 60 in french is 60 okay pro, pro, no no problem and then 70 60 10 that's their word for 70 70 60 10 okay so if you want to say 61 uh 60 owns so it's 60 11 okay so if you want to say uh, six, uh 75 60 10 or no 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 sorry Soissons, uh Keynes. Okay. So 60, 15. But then you want us to get to 80, then it's 80, 420. That, that's the word for 80, 80, 420. Then if you want to get into 90, it's 80, 420, 10. <laughs> so the, they actually have a an inefficiency built into their into their counting system that that the Germans don't have that and and even if you take a look at the original latin latin's a very logical language which all which also makes sense of how we understand the latins is a very logical people they built roads they were engineers they used they imposed order on the world around them and that was how like the hallmarks of their empire just like how when we view the germans as being very efficient and logical and almost near on robotic there's something about their language that is that's what that that breeds into you, but you would never consider a German as being that that you know in, in poetry of, of of being able to understand the the basis of the human condition. You don't look to the Germans to tell you what what is ultimate truth in life. I'm sorry, Karl Marx, you don't count. And even you, like <laughs> Jung uh, and um, you know so, some of the great uh, psychologists, they they weren't using language of philosophy. They were still ripping it down logically, whereas French. Even French poetry, it's, it's all like trying to get into the underlying of the reality of the human experience. And, that, and that's really where the, in the strength of their language. So my point out of all of that monologue is if you put anyone into these different roles, so I'm of Dutch-German descent, but I don't speak Dutch and I don't speak German, so I think in English. And because of that, I see the world through an English lens. I, that's the how I view the world. It's why English media is different than uh, Quebec uh, media. 
and, and, and what they focus on is the importance of the story. It's not because they're trying to manipulate the French people. It's because the language that they're thinking in formulates how, how they're actually viewing the world and how they understand and put together information. And I, anyone who has a second language, I think you can, uh, the, the minute you can think in that language, it changes your worldview because all of a sudden how you view the world changes. That makes sense. And I think, I guess, if, if using the word changes your worldview, then you want to be selective in the words that you use. And not only that, you can change your outlook based on the language you're telling yourself, which I think some psychologists refer to that positive self-talk, et cetera. Mm. Uh, yet it does reinforce what they're saying uh, based on our revelationary discoveries here. Although yeah. I don't know the revelation, but for <laughs> any of our listeners, they are and tell all your friends. Well, I, I think it's, a, it's a revelation for me or, and, and I guess the best way I put it is a rediscovery. Uh, and, this rediscovery. I think of, it's something no one has not examined. Yes. Well, it's, so what, what this worldview does for me is, you know, okay, I, I take a look and I know why I'm being excluded because of my accent. I'm not an American. You can tell by the minute I open my mouth. I'm not from Ontario. You can tell the minute I open my mouth. I'm not from Quebec. The, the, these things, but finding ways to communicate in, there's nothing inherently wrong with having your group and being identified in that group. And, and, and just think, think that you need to tear down that wall, I think, is a, is, a, is a misguided effort. But the important thing is is to realize that when you're speaking with someone who you're using a different technical language, even if it's still English, um, if it's a different language altogether, you need to understand that their actual thinking how they're processing information, how and how they're reassembling it and articulating their understanding of that world is different than your own. Not wrong, not right, not better, not worse, but most assuredly different. And that understanding right there, if you use that as your foundational step, as your first place to start from, your ability to understand, appreciate, and have some empathy and sympathy for the other person on the other end of the conversation uh, we'll go much farther. I think that's a great point, and I can't say I have anything to add to that. Oh, I love getting the last word on you, Mike. And on that, I'm calling it. From all of us here at the Free Range Buffalo, roam free, like, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Email Mike.